0: You know my little girl she said daddy i'd like a new pet and i said well okay what you got in mind she said i'd really like a bird over the summer i'd done an orange slice these are these condensed video insights that i offer on the last symptom community on the locals platform and uh on one of those orange slice episodes I highlighted. Uh, my daughter was featured on there. She had rescued this baby bird, wild bird, nursed it to health overnight, and uh, it flew off the next day, all lively and happy. And so she couldn't get birds out of her head, and she said, "I'd like, I'd like a bird." So we went up to uh, the city, she and I, and I got her four birds, and so we've got four parakeets here. Budgies, they're called. You can hear them in the background there. And uh, their names are Miguel, Everett, Sundance, and Butch Cassidy. That's why you're hearing them right now. Anyway, I don't think I introduced myself. Happy Thursday, and welcome back to the Last Symptom podcast. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host of the last symptom so glad that you could be back with us we've got a lot to talk about today so we're not gonna dilly dally but uh, i did want to before we get started to tell you about the last symptom.com please go over there donate support my work if you if you're so inclined if you feel like you learn practical insights from the show um there's a lot of free resources over there there's a uh, just a very modest few paid resources and those support the work that I do and help me continue doing this. So if you're interested in those, they are uh, one-on-one phone conversations with me that you can schedule right there from thelastsymptom.com one-on-one Zoom video conversations with me that you can schedule and also the Last Symptom Fundamentals course, which is a two-week intensive course. It's pre-recorded. It's video and um, it can really uh, give you a leg up in your authentic recovery from borderline personality disorder and other emotional disorders. So back to today's show. Last week, during a little, uh, I kind of got off on a. We were talking about uh, one thing, and I kind of got off on another subject, and uh, went into kind of this little comical portion of the epi- of the show where i uh very poorly imitated uh let's see a british guy talking and i very poorly imitated uh, an asian person talking and the way i did that was that i used a very uh generic imaginary asian language sounding thing and uh, i got a an email from somebody who is Asian and I wanted to share that with you the reason why I'm sharing this now is because after I got this message I started thinking well he might not be the only person who feels this way and I might as well address this for for all Asian listeners and the the email goes like this you know I'm a regular listener of your podcast but I have to say I was quite disappointed by your use of the phrase ching chong in your latest podcast, it actually caused me to turn off the show. Now, I just want to interject right there that I did not use a phrase. I didn't use a phrase. I was I was imitating the sounds of a language, so I wasn't quote I wasn't repeating any phrase I've ever heard. Um, I was simply imitating a generic imaginary Asian language. But the person goes on to say. Uh, I know you, you're probably thinking I'm being oversensitive and making a fuss out of nothing. I don't think that. I don't. Th- I don't think there's such thing as overly sensitive. Um, and the person says uh, it was it was quite uh, insensitive. I don't expect you to fully understand why such a term is so offensive to the Asian community. Again, I wasn't using a term. Uh, I was working off the cuff, and I was imitating the way language sounds to me in a generic way so i wasn't pulling up any term at all that i that i've ever used or heard used but let's go on i appreciate that the person recognizes that i cannot be expected to fully understand why where this offense would come from uh let's see the person says we are essentially made to feel like perpetual outsiders in our own country and terms like Ching Chong just reinforce the notion that we don't belong for example think about how you would feel if when you moved to Philly and told someone you were from Appalachia and they responded by mocking a redneck hillbilly accent alright now here's where I want to stop this did happen to me it happened to me many times I wouldn't, you know, when you say mocking a redneck hillbilly accent, immediately that verbiage right there paints the picture that the person is is trying to push your buttons. They're trying to offend, to be offensive. They're trying to offend you. Um, but here's the thing: many people imitated imitated our accent in Appalachia, and and. I don't remember any instances where I took offense at it because I never got the impression that their intent was with malice. So I got the impression that these folks liked me. They liked the idea of Appalachian life. They've not really ever been there, they've never had any exposure to it. So the best they've got are are, what they live with in their imagination. And so, whenever I got people imitating uh, an Appalachian accent or a Southern accent or whatever, uh, I never got the impression they were doing it with malice. I got the, the impression that they were doing it with some affection. Um, and so, I just want to say that the person did say, you know, in the letter, said, uh, think about how you would feel. If when you moved to Philly, and presented this scenario here, and so I I did what that person asked. I did sit and spend time imagining that, and remembering back to it when it actually did happen to me, and what I concluded, which was my reaction at the time, and which is my is still my reaction. It's still the conclusion that I arrive at is that the only thing that matters is intent intent is the only thing that matters think about it think about me being in the city I'm in Philly and somebody starts talking like hey you're not from around here where are you from now immediately my brain tries to determine their intent Now, if I determine that their intent is to mock me, make fun of me, or disparage me, how do I feel about that? Naturally, I'm going to feel very miffed. I'm going to be very upset. I'm not going to like that. I will take offense at that. But if I conclude that their intent is simply to imitate, you know, to do their version of the way I talk, with no malice then then, how do I feel about that? Do I feel the same as the guy who is mocking me or trying to make fun of me? No, I don't feel the same way. It's my perception which determines this, right? <clears throat> it's my perception and the conclusions I reach about that person's intent which is everything. Boy, I think that's a uh, Miguel over there is getting real chatty right now. In fact, let me go put a blanket over their cage because it's it's too late for them to be up. I'll be right back. Okay. So we're talking about intent and how that's the only thing that matters really. That's what it all comes down to when <clears throat> we're talking about these sorts of things. Now, before we go on, I want I do want to say that um, as the last symptom guy I have often told you that feelings can't be good or bad, right or wrong and so the person who wrote me this letter I just want to go uh, you know, before we get too far into this conversation say that I, I don't fault the person for feeling how they feel I'm not saying that they're feeling the wrong thing at all um, I'm not saying that that person's feelings don't matter. Of course, the person's feelings do matter, as well as anybody else's feelings. And and here's the thing about that. There's probably a lot of Asians who heard that show and do not feel offended. Do their feelings not matter because they contradict the the person's feelings who uh, was offended by this. No, their feelings matter too. Now how can this be? Well fortunately we talk about all sorts of principles and laws here on The Last Symptom and we're going to talk about them today. They're going to help us to kind of fine-tune our understanding of these things. So the person ends the first message uh, by saying I know you had no ill intent behind your remarks. Uh, but I hope going forward you can be a bit more considerate and think about the unintended impact your words might have. So I appreciate that the person does recognize I had no ill intent. And at the same time, the idea that I can be more considerate about things that I... How am I supposed to know what every single one of you listeners are going to feel about anything I say? If if I were going to live that way, I could not talk You understand that I could not I couldn't say anything if I had to be that type of considerate so that I just can't offend anybody I would not be able to talk at all so here's my part of my reply uh, I did email the person back because uh, this person is somebody I'm actually very fond of, and uh, I'm, I'm sure that the person has listened to the show. So, hi, hello, <laughs> uh, you know who you are, and uh, I just want to say I'm, I'm fond of this person. We've talked, and uh, I just admire this person um, for many reasons. I admire the person, but anyway, here's part of my response, my first response. I didn't realize that what I said would be viewed as insensitive by some. Otherwise, I would have given it a second thought. I really would have. Um, But like I say, in that segment of the show last week, I was working off the cuff. It wasn't in my outline. Uh, I was imagining the situation where I have an illegitimate Asian child come to my door and introduce himself to me it was a comical setting that i was kind of setting up that you know it's it, even though it's comical it could really happen there really could be one of these days somebody who knocks on my door and says hey um i think i think you're my dad um so that was the context but anyway i go on to say that um so i would have given it a second thought that's true if it had occurred to me, well this might be offensive to some people Uh, I would have given it a second thought now I'm not saying that I wouldn't have gone ahead and done the bit I'm just saying I would have given it a second thought it wouldn't have I wouldn't have just rolled off my tongue and I go on to say I can understand why from your perspective it could have been seen as insensitive the fact that you bothered to write to me about this suggests that you probably knew that I didn't mean anything in a derogatory or unaffectionate way. In fact, in context, I was using that to basically tell the world that I've been uh, with Asian women and that's not something I'm complaining about. Now, here's what I want to say. I don't speak any Asian languages. I don't speak any Asian languages. I I speak a little well no I don't speak Mandarin I know a few phrases in Mandarin but I don't speak any uh, Asian languages so when I'm doing an audio sketch where I want to comically paint a picture of my illegitimate Asian child imaginary illegitimate Asian child introducing himself to me the best I can do the best I can do is a really poor imitation of the very basic sounds of Asian languages generically and how they sound to me as an English speaker who doesn't speak those languages. Now the more I've thought about this the more I begin to think that part of the disconnect here is that one person you know the person who is offended thinks I'm attacking the identity you know the people whereas from my perspective I'm imitating a language and not even a real language a, an imaginary generic language that's simply meant to to sound like a, a language so I point out that I had just finished doing a really terrible impression of a British accent and both of those were examples of my limitations as a person I cannot be expected to, you know, do a perfect British accent. I didn't grow up there. I can't be expected to do a perfect imitation of an Asian language. You say, well, why do you do it at all then? Well, why not do it? I'm not allowed to do that. I'm not allowed to, to try to imitate the world around me when I'm telling a story and trying to paint a picture. But my imitations of of these languages are not a reflection of my feelings toward those particular groups of people. And I'd also like to point out that since the beginning of this show, three, four years ago, I have established a pattern throughout, throughout this show many times of trying to imitate accents and languages poorly. It's kind of turned into a running gag. So, I've established that pattern. Clearly, I was not selectively picking on just one language. Now, again, I think there's some disconnect here because my view of the thing is the language. Anybody who's offended is probably taking it on as an attack against their identity, you know, who they are as people. I, I wasn't making any commentary whatsoever on who anybody is as people I was trying to imitate a language not people not like you know Mickey Rooney on uh, breakfast at Tiffany's I wasn't doing anything like that but I go on to say and I, I truly believe this that given this person's life experience there are things that he or she is justifiably sensitive to and I extend that to anybody who was offended by my doing that i understand that given your life experience there are things that you are justifiably sensitive to but let's talk about some things we you know laws and principles that we discuss here related to emotional health to see if they offer any insight or help for us and context number one triggers we know they don't exist a trigger is something a person is initiating within themselves It's not an example of some outside thing exerting a force upon us that we are powerless to. Right? When people use that term, Oh, careful, there's a trigger coming up. You know what they're saying? They're saying, careful, you're about to make yourself mad. That's what they're saying. Because no outside thing can exert that force on you. careful you're about to make yourself mad that's what a trigger is so when somebody or something sets an individual off what is this a reflection on what is the what is okay let's put it this way in this situation where this person is offended is this a reflection on me being a racist pig or is this a reflection on the offended person's insecurities, which, is, which does it reflect greater on? The answer is that this is a reflection on that person's inner personal insecurities. Because there's no such thing as something being offensive. Now, you, you probably think I just messed up there but I didn't there's no such thing as a thing being offensive now why why is that true because offensive is a totally subjective notion how can something be inherently offensive if it's going to offend some people but not everybody See, if, if it's inherently offensive, it has to offend everybody. But there's no such thing as that. A person uses it to make themselves offended. So what is it a reflection of? It's a reflection on that person's own insecurities. No such thing as an inherently offensive thing because offensive what does that require it requires somebody being offended right and will all people be offended by by a thing nope not not anything take anything out there not all people are going to be offended by it it is an entirely subjective thing entirely subjective so I know that in common everyday speech we say things like that's an offensive term but again that's bullshit because there is no such thing as an offensive term there's a such thing as people who will be offended by that term but the term itself is not inherently offensive it doesn't matter what the word is you let your imaginations run wild now tell me I'm wrong Tell me I'm wrong. You build an argument, and you tell me why I'm wrong. Because I'm not wrong. There is no such thing as an inherently offensive thing, or word, or picture, or anything like that. It's entirely subjective. So, really, the only question, or the only issue, really, is... Will it be offensive to some people? Not, is it offensive? There's no such thing as an offensive term. The only thing that there is in reality is who will be offended by it? How many will be offended by it? And probably in today's world, that's the real question. How many will be offended by it? Because if only 10 people are offended by it, out of 6 billion, 7 billion people on the planet you think Disney isn't going to make that movie? do you think that word isn't going to be used and socially accepted? so it doesn't matter if you're offended that's totally subjective too what really matters is how many people are offended by it and there's no such thing as something being inherently offensive there's no such thing as anything being offensive It it will be offensive. It will be offensive, and it won't be offensive. That's an interesting conversation right there, too. Take anything, and you can can accurately describe it as both non-offensive and offensive. And both descriptions are correct, because offensive is a totally subjective thing. In order for something... In order for offensive to be used at all there has to be a person who is offended in order for it not to be offensive there has to be people who are not offended and in everything on earth and in life for everything there are both of those groups of people Okay. now you might say well i'm splitting hairs i'm trying to get all philosophical on something that's um, Really, not that difficult, but no, it's it's not <clears throat> it's not splitting hairs because the audience I'm talking to here are people who have very who have lived a lifetime with misperceptions, erroneous thinking, uh, unhealthy perspectives, how they view the world, how they interact with life, and this is one of those basic things that deal with how people interact with life how they interpret things how they hold themselves responsible or not whether or not they blame other things other people words for how they feel and that's not real life you know we're trying to escape that here so it's not splitting hairs so triggers don't exist Um, we mentioned how when somebody or something you know quote unquote sets an individual off this is a reflection on the individual you know the thoughts feelings and insecurities that that particular individual is dealing with inside of himself or herself think about the black community do you do you believe and if you do you're wrong <laughs> but do you believe that all black people feel the same way about everything involving black issue black issues if you think they do you're wrong and you know there's there's not a community out there that is probably a better example for topics such as this the things that the black community has endured very few of us can identify with that very few of us can understand that type of oppression and yet the number of different viewpoints and feelings and uh, attitudes within that community are as diverse as any other community now i did acknowledge that sometimes a thing a person says can be a reflection on two individuals simultaneously but again what is this rooted in? intent it's rooted in intent so if a speaker has malice in his heart and intentions and the listener recognizes that they would be understandably upset probably not everybody but some people would probably laugh at it because it's so ridiculous and the person is such a a non-threat You know, a person with a very low intelligence, I don't find it extremely threatening, you know, so they could, they can get away with saying a lot of really, well, let's put it this way. If somebody who I thought was smarter said those same things to me, I'd get very upset. But if somebody who I don't view as very intelligent says stuff like that to me, I can walk away from that can't you? you you see how subjective all this is but let's say that a speaker has malice in his heart and intentions the listener recognizes that and then the less the listener gets understandably really upset that's a reflection not just on the person who's feeling upset but it's a reflection on the person who tried to instigate that right that is an example where it's not just the person feeling upset that this is this whole scenario is a reflection on because the person's intent you know, what is driving them to do something like that in the first place that says a lot about them that reflects back a lot on them but if they have no ill intent what does it reflect on them it doesn't reflect anything on them that experience reflects nothing on the person who had no ill intent it only reflects the insecurities of the person who got who is getting upset number two the law of individual inherent rights responsibility and authority we talk about it often I'm not responsible for what you feel and you're not responsible for what I feel now chew on that for a little while I'm not responsible for what you feel how can I be I have no control over your feelings and you're not responsible for what I feel how could you be you're not generating my feelings I'm generating my feelings and I'm doing so using my perspectives my thinking you know what I choose to continue thinking about how I choose to think about it let's go back to the person who uh, is just not very bright why can I let slide things from that person that I wouldn't let slide from somebody who I know is bright and I know exactly what they're doing I know exactly what their intentions are when they're doing it because of my perspectives the way I'm interpreting that situation the way I'm putting things into context or not now I'm also not responsible for living my life or choosing my words or behavior based on how you might feel or think chew on that this this does not you know these laws and principles we talk about do not just apply to things that are easy or that things that don't really get us that upset you know what uh, what um, credit is it, is it to you if you can apply these laws and principles only when things are easy it's not it's not that great of a credit to you the real credit comes from applying these things in areas that um, you feel strongly about or you you strongly want those laws and principles to not in in, in situations where you strongly want these laws and principles not to exist at all so that you can just ignore them and live how you want to live interact with the world the way you want to interact no, the real credit comes from understanding these things thoroughly believing that they are true laws and they are the best principles uh, about how to view the world and live and then living by them even when things are tough so when I say I'm not responsible for living my life or choosing my words or behavior based on how you might you know how I think you might feel or think this doesn't mean I shouldn't be considerate to others it just means that at the end of the day the only thing that truly matters is if I'm content with myself my own motivations my own intentions and my heart and the reality is there's simply no way there's no way that i can possibly know what every single person on earth is going to be offended by nor is it reasonable for me to be expected to know that the reality is that people can literally be offended by anything and that's and they do <laughs> they do people can be offended by anything and they are Mind reading. Number three, nobody possesses the capacity for this, so we can't live as if other people should, quote unquote, know what we're thinking or feeling preemptively. There's no such thing as shoulds in life. Shoulds is an imaginary construct by unhealthy people, emotionally unhealthy people. They look at the world and they say the world should be like this, and when the world is not like that, this is very frustrating and upsetting. so just do away with should you'll be a lot happier and then you'll be able to view the world as it really is and be a lot more accepting and forgiven now as far as my reading goes i think that the person who wrote me the letter handled the situation perfectly because the person wrote to me they acknowledged that my intent was probably not to had no malice in it uh, gave me the benefit of the doubt they explained themselves and Clear terms. They didn't assume that I already knew that they would feel as they did or that I would understand that, you know, my little skit there on last week's show would appear as insensitive. So um, I'm thankful to the person for that. Again, I want to emphasize that I'm not saying that this person's feelings or anybody's feelings who were offended last week that their feelings don't matter. Um, now, here's the thing: we know that there's nothing that is inherently offensive, right? So, if you're going to listen to last week's show and you're going to say, "Boy, that wasn't he was insensitive," what are the conditions that have to exist in order for that to be true? There's a stray kitty cat right outside my door. So, uh, back to the conversation here. Was I insensitive? No, I wasn't insensitive. Because when you're talking about somebody being insensitive, that's a conditional usage of, of words. In order for me to be insensitive, what are the conditions that have to exist? the conditions are these one has to assume that I should have preemptively known how some people would feel about it and I went ahead and did it anyway those are the conditions that have to exist in order for it to be said that last week I was insensitive let's say it again In order for that to be true, that I was insensitive last week, you have to approach the thing assuming that I should have preemptively known how some people would feel about it, but I went ahead and did it anyway. That is the condition that has to exist in order for me to have been insensitive. You know, I did it anyway without any regard for their life experiences and feelings, even though I was aware of those things, I did them anyway. So, if a person is working with that assumption, I can totally understand why they would think I was being insensitive. But the reality is that none of that was on my mind. My intention was not to imitate a group of people. My intention was to do a poor imitation of a language, a language, not people, a language. Again, some may say I'm splitting hairs, but those same people who would say I'm splitting hairs here would say I'm splitting hairs when I say I don't hate my dad. I hate the things my father has done and the things my father is still failing to do but I don't hate my father am I splitting hairs there? that's not an example of splitting hairs even a little bit that's a super important distinction in, for the audience that I'm talking to and for people who are trying to escape this life of you know perspectives and ways of viewing it, the world where they don't make these distinctions so let's go back to it my intention was not to imitate a group of people my intention and my only intention and it was a split-second thing like I said I was working off the cuff this idea coming into my head of the different types of children that could show up on my doorstep and I was trying to imitate the languages they might be speaking when they showed up so language not people It's not splitting hairs. Let's go back to intentions. I did, by the way, offer an apology for my perceived insensitivity to this person. And, you know, I expressed that this person is a valued member of the Last Symptom community, has been for a while, and I mean that. Um, I wouldn't want my imperfect delivery of things to contribute to anybody missing out on some of the, you know more important th- content that I share here on the show and through the last symptom work. But um, you know we've been talking about intent a lot here. and the reason why it's so important, now this person did reply to me after I uh, wrote that message and said something to the effect that, you know there wouldn't be anything like a polite society if it was okay for us to fart, burp, spit, and pick our nose in front of others as long as we didn't mean to offend. Now here's the reality about that I can do any of those things I want when I go out into society. Nobody can stop me from doing it and so what, what do you mean it would be, it would be okay or it wouldn't be okay? It is okay. Most people don't do it because of their own sense of dignity but it's not they don't do it because they can't do it and uh if you doubt it i bet every one of you listening here have slipped a quiet fart in public haven't you now why didn't you just hold that until you got home if you know that's not socially acceptable it's something to think about but also something to consider is that a burp is not speech a fart is not speech you're not you know and and that's not necessarily true in some cultures burping and chewing loud and being loud while you're eating shows um, culturally uh, demonstrates that you're enjoying that, that meal very much I find it disgusting That's just my cultural background. You don't do that. But also in my cultural background, you don't wear a hat at the supper table. And that's so ingrained into me. I don't even understand it entirely. I think it has something to do with prayer. You know, so when I pray, if I'm wearing a ball cap, I take my hat off uh, to show respect to God. Um, And so I think that it's a show of respect culturally that when you sit at the supper table you take your hat off. Men, especially. But, you know, it used to be that when you would enter a building, any building, you'd take your hat off. Or when a woman would walk by, you'd take your hat off. Uh, those things weren't ingrained into me. But the sitting down at the supper table and taking your hat off, that was ingrained into me. You know, and to, there's so many people out there that that makes no difference to whatsoever. Truly, there's nothing that is inherently offensive. There are just things that we live with ourselves as far as our notions and our perspectives, and those perspectives may be right or wrong. They may be justified or unjustified. Um, but truly, the offense is taking place within ourselves, right? That thing is not offending us. You know, we use that wordage all the time, and it's a lie that well I don't want to say it's a lie it's just casual talk but most people healthy people when even when they use th- this verbiage understand that it does not reflect the reality of what is actually happening but here in the last symptom community most of the people I'm talking to do not know that I didn't know that so things like you offended me that offended me Me growing up using that verbiage with my unhealthy perspectives on on life and the world, I really believed that other things were offending me. They were making me feel those things. But nothing else is making you feel anything. You're making yourself feel that. You're taking it. You're processing it in your head. You're applying a certain filter and perspectives on it. You're choosing how to view that thing, and you're using it to make yourself upset. Now, when I was going through my own recovery, I was told, because I was just discovering feelings and expressing my feelings, and I said to whoever I was talking to, I said, "Uh, so I can can say what I'm really feeling any time, and that person said to me, Yes, you can always express yourself openly and honestly. Always. As long, as long as you do it calmly and in a non-offensive way. I said, okay. And I took that. I saved it inside myself and I went on. Then I started my seven years of authentic recovery from borderline personality disorder and um, re-examined that and I realized that it was deeply, deeply flawed. Why was it deeply flawed? Because of what we've already talked about, that offensive is a totally subjective notion And if I can't be expected to intuitively know how every single person on earth, individually, will feel about a certain thing. And if every single person on earth, individually, feels differently about the same things. How can then this formula work? That you can always express yourself openly and honestly as long as you do it in a calm, non-offensive way. It can't work. We go back to the beginning of the show. If that's the formula, then I can't talk. I can never express myself. Because when you're talking about something that's non-offensive, there is no such thing as something being inherently non-offensive. The only reality is, will some people be offended? and will some people not be offended and the answer is always yes to both things so I tweaked it a little bit and those who take the last symptom fundamentals course uh, I know that I talk about this in the course I tweaked it a little bit now the formula goes like this and its ironclad. you can always express yourself honestly as long as you do it calmly and with no intent to offend. All right, That's the formula. If you live by that formula, it doesn't matter if you get messages like this, because you'll still be content with yourself. You'll, you'll still be you'll, you will still be living within the, the law, of individual, inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. And you'll be content with yourself. And that's what matters. Remember, people can and do get offended over everything. And I I just want to, again, reiterate... that I'm not downplaying this person's feelings. I'm telling you, their feelings do matter. They matter to them. Because they... It's up to that person to understand why they feel that way. What perspectives might be accurate or inaccurate there? Why did they not why did uh, my perceived intent not have more of an effect on reducing the offense that this person felt? You know, these are questions that go through my mind. So their feelings matter. They matter because they give them a you know, it's an opportunity for the person to understand himself or herself even better. We all have to live in this world. You're never going to get rid of everything that bothers you or that offends you or that you don't like. That's that's not reality. We're never going to achieve that. So, the formula is, for all of us, Now, before I go into that, why do I say that um, the new formula perfectly works in harmony with the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority? Because the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority says, I'm not responsible for what you feel. I'm not responsible for what you think. I'm not responsible for what you do. Only you are. Likewise... um, you know, you're not responsible for any of, the, any of those things for me. So whenever I feel upset at you, my healthy perspective on things says, you're not making me upset, but I'm, I am taking what you're doing or what you've said to make myself upset. Do you see how it takes um, a powerless situation, I can't control you, but it gives you all the power in the world. It gives you all of the control and power in the world when you realize that the answer is not in me making you not do that thing but the answer is looking inward and seeing what I can do for myself. You know, if you're doing those things, if you're doing something I don't like, I have no power over you to not to make you not do that. Now, in this case, the person did the right thing. The person expressed to me that you know, it bothered him, the what I said. Which I think is great. It was very calm assertive, which is the opposite of passive aggressive. He just he came out and said it. And he was very I thought clear and honest about it. And I, I really enjoyed that. So, you know, none of this is to discredit anything that you know he feels or whatever. I'm just expressing the the, the nothing that we're talking about tonight today. Is anything we haven't talked about before? I'm just applying them to this situation. So, <clears throat> the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority I'm not responsible for what you think, feel, and all this stuff. So, I cannot be realistically expected to pattern my behaviors and life around what I think you might feel, right? Or try to say things in ways that uh, con- that um, <laughs> ameliorate. I, I hate terms like that because they come into style. Y- you know, you didn't hear. I didn't hear words like that for ameliorate for uh, I the first thirty years of my life, and it wasn't because I wasn't around smart people. But these folks come out of college <laughs> indoctrinated with these. New terms, and I don't know why they they they, they come into style, terms like ameliorate and um, uh, trope, right? It, it can't read an article anymore without coming across that word. And, and I, I kind of get the notion that the person writing the article, when they use that word, like they get the sense of satisfaction, oh, I use trope i use this word that everybody's using nowadays and they kind of get like this kind of subconscious buzz off the fact that they use the word trope meanwhile i'm reading it and i'm just thinking what an idiot you are because you can't think for yourself (laughs) you're just such a product of um fad (laughs) um so you know i i like cliche but you know at one time in all fairness Cliche might have been a word like that, (laughs) you know. They're probably back in uh, 1960s. Cliche started appearing, and there was somebody like me out there going, "Why? Why are these stupid kids making this word uh, popular?" Uh, I I didn't hear that word 20 years ago when I was growing up. (laughs) So context, you know, it's it's everything. I have my opinions but I like to think that I'm at least fair in my opinions and uh, not uh, totally letting myself off the hook as if as if I'm, I, I determine the standard of everything um, so anyway the new formula you can always express yourself honestly as I did in last week's show as long as you do it calmly and with no intent to offend see I don't have any control over whether you will get offended the law of individual inherent rights responsibility and authority but what do I have control over the only thing I have control over for real in real life is if I am intending to offend you that's why I say that this new formula Perfectly works in harmony with the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. You can always express yourself honestly, openly, and honestly, as long as you do it calmly and with no intent to offend. So, I hope that this uh, goes over well with people and particularly the person, you know, who this whole episode has been about, really. I'm not complaining about, how, you know, the way that the person felt. Oh, you know, one thing before I go, I do want to read his follow-up, some of the follow-up email, because I feel like the least I can do is bring to attention, those of us who are not Asian, who have not had this experience, I feel like, you know, the least I can do is share with you some of the, the picture that he painted for me that helped me understand really what the Asian community goes through and hopefully uh, this individual will appreciate that and will appreciate that uh, you know my, my intent was not to offend and at the end of the day I'm content that my intent was not to offend. I understand that this person has not fully digested, I guess, or bought into the, the argument that I've made here. That's okay. If you, want, if you want to feel powerful and in control of your own life, eventually you will have to adopt these same principles and laws into your own dealings with life, um, whether you think I'm insensitive or not. And I say that with all affection. So, here's the part of the uh, the second uh, email that I got from this person. And like I said, I want to share it because I feel like the least I can do is to um, share this directly from this person so that the rest of us can understand what the Asian community in different parts of the world deal, deals with. And I, I, I'm... I'm glad that the person shared this with me, and and I'm happy to share it with you. Um, The person says, to provide a bit more context, Asian Americans often grow up in towns where their family is one of the only Asian families in the area. They and their family are often subject to racial slurs growing up, including eye gestures, being told to go back to China, And yes, being called Ching Chong. Now, this was something I did not know. Again, I want to reiterate that when I did that bit in my show, I did not know of such a term as Ching Chong. I was trying to imitate the language. Uh, He goes on to say, this is in addition to all the other more subtle things we experience that send the message that we don't belong. For example, getting stared at walking into a restaurant in Pennsylvania when we're the only Asians there and not to mention all the historical racism Asian Americans have faced which sadly is not taught in schools he says at least it wasn't when I was growing up not sure if it's changed now Um, he says anyway I hope that this sheds a bit more light on why your words had the impact on me that they did I do understand uh, more now than i did at first i'm i'm sympathetic and empathetic to the things you've expressed as i as i mentioned to you uh, if my life experience were the same as yours i probably would feel very similar to the way that you do feel and so i'm not trying to take that away from you I'm I'm acknowledging that I would probably feel very similar to the way that you feel depending on what my perspectives were and my life experience and I appreciate you acknowledging that I did not grow up that way those are not my uh, perspectives and life experience and so the best I can do is try to empathize and, and be sympathetic to what you personally are dealing with that's what I'm trying to do well, at the same time, um, highlight for you and for other folks that <clears throat> while the way you feel is, you know, the way you feel about this th- these things are, are justified. They're not good or bad, right or wrong. It's just what you feel based on your experiences and your perspectives. But I do want to point out and highlight. That the path to control and a sense of power over a situation like that is not looking outward. That's the mistake everybody makes, is looking outward, saying that shouldn't be. Well, you know, you're never going to control what everybody says. You know, you're never going to control the language everybody uses or the way they think. Or their ignorance. You're never going to. So, on an individual basis, the path to real power and control over one's own individual life and the way that they deal with these things, the way they perceive them, the way they feel about them, is within. And that's really the only reason why I went into the whole conversation about how um, these sorts of things, you know, the way, the way we react to things most more times than than not by a large margin are not a reflection on that that thing it's a reflection on our own thoughts insecurities perspectives and those sorts of things and the the path to real control over life is recognizing truly where these things originate uh, where they're Where our power really exists, where it really does not exist, you know that's just as important. Recognizing where we have no power, and then not wasting our energy and time on shoulds, instead, you know, directing our blows in a way to make contact, and that is by focusing upon, focusing upon where we really do have control and power. That's that's within us. That's where our control and power is. When, when a person realizes that they walk out into the world powerful and in control in a way that they never were before when they were blaming all of uh, all of their feelings and the the things they're dealing with on on all these external things all right so um, good conversation I hope everybody has a wonderful weekend again this show went a little bit longer than I <laughs> I liked it too actually I'd print it off I uh, five or six different things here that I thought we'd have time to talk about, but this conversation was good and hopefully constructive, and you know, there'll, there'll be folks who don't uh, agree with me there'll be folks that who are offended by this show um, but it's not my intent I delivered it in a calm way with no intent to offend, and therefore I'm allowed to express myself, aren't I? same as you hope you folks have a wonderful weekend all of my friends out there no matter who you are no matter where you're from no matter what your background is and before i go here i just wanted to uh i was actually just wrapping up i was ready to print this thing and i decided to throw in here that uh i recently i have started i'm a big movie fan and recently I've started putting more emphasis on uh, independent film because I'm so sick of superheroes. (laughs) If you knew me when I was a teenager, you wouldn't believe me saying that because I I used to spend my lunch money. Uh, I'd leave the high school, go up the road to a paperback bookstore... And I would spend my $1.25 on comic books. So those comic books sometimes would go between $0.10 and $0.25. It just depended on the comic book. But I'd spend my whole lunch money on comic books. And I would go without eating. That's how much I loved comic books. But I'm so sick and tired of superheroes. Um, I I feel like Hollywood has saturated that. They... uh, anyway I won't go into that Um, in line with today's discussion I want to recommend a movie to you and I hope that the uh, the person who was corresponding with me today will appreciate this I hope that the Asian community will appreciate this Uh, the movie is called Minari M-I-N-A-R-I and it's about a Korean family who starts a farm in 1980's Arkansas I'll be honest, I I bought the movie originally. The The main actor in it, by the way, is the guy from uh, The Walking Dead. Uh, it's a Korean family. And they settle in Arkansas, and they try to start a farm. And I bought the movie. I didn't rent the movie. I had never seen it, but I saw the trailer for it, and I said, this looks really good. And I, I went ahead and bought it. And it's just a really great movie. I will tell you, also in line with today's discussion, that for a large portion of the movie, I was kind of uh, uh, offended <laughs> because they portray the the white population there, you know, the the blue collar working population there, as being really strange and kind of backwards and stuff, and I did take offense at that. Now, why did I? Was there intent to offend me? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think Hollywood and movie makers, more and more, are leaning that way. But, ultimately, I loved the movie. And my offense kind of melted away. I felt like it was kind of a an accurate representation of small town american life in the south well which is, this is in arkansas so yeah, it's south but it's it's not really appalachian but you you know you guys probably have a hard time understanding the distinctions between appalachian life and southern life we appalachians we we identify heavily with the south in fact we we say we're in the south even though we're not in most cases um, everybody who's in the north that's not geographic that's cultural so when we talk about you being from the north or being a yankee you know you might be in in california that's that's not north uh, so it's a cultural language and it's a cultural attitude but anyway um, minari Minari come out in 2020. It's rated PG-13. Has the the lead actor is Steven Yeun. He plays Jacob. And he's the guy from Walking Dead. It's a, it's a fantastic movie. It really is good. And it it's so nice this movie because. <clears throat> it's this Asian family who moves into an area where there are no Asians and so you get to see them dealing with this cultural adjustment and uh, not just the parents but also the children you get to see them trying to adjust to this this new environment and it, it might it might allow you to develop empathy and sympathy for the Asian community in ways you've never been able to to do before in a very nice way. And so that's a, a token of m- my respect to the Asian community, my love for the Asian community, and um, my love for people. I hope you will look that movie up and enjoy it. it might be a nice thing for you to do this weekend. And as all all weekends go, you know, I want you to do something nice for yourself. Maybe that's the thing to do. Rent that movie, Minari. M I N A R I. You'll enjoy it.